God damn it, I should have clicked record like just a minute ago. You're recording now? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. How can I tell? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a tell. It's the look on your face mm-hmm. that lets me know that you're near me. There's a truth in your eyes. Saying <laughs> 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 you'd never leave me. Welcome to our episode, Technical Debt and How to Get Your Product Manager on Board. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a requested topic, I guess. Um, requested and also, I think, kind of basic. I mean, when we started off with our first episode about user stories, I guess we kind of like touched the core right then and there. And it's, by the way, our most played episode, isn't it? Yep, by far. I yeah. think uh, it was a good start for us. Yeah, and I think uh, we talked about other things that were super important for us, but now is the time to dive back into the core. Yeah, definitely. And we should definitely, definitely talk about that. And I think it's a good continuation for our episode too about what is refactoring and how to factor it into your work. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to that, then we really recommend it, I guess, as a preparation for this episode because we're going to talk about the differences. I guess in our culture episode, we uh, concluded with a few questions from uh, people who wrote to us. And also this time around, we have some questions, but I think this time we'll start with them. Yeah, the, I think that that's actually a great idea to start because then the motivation is laid out up front and, and we have... Yeah, and they really pinpointed, I think, the pain points for for people uh, yeah. in our business. All right, so I'm just going to read them. Yeah, we're you not... have the, the lovelier voice out of the two uh, of us. Sure. So <laughs> you should do that. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to like uh, go one by one, but I'm going to read them so you can have them in mind and we'll come back to them at the end of the episode. Yeah, and, and by the idea is that by the end of the episode, we're going to basically... Hopefully answer hopefully them. Hopefully answer yeah. them. And if not, then we're going to read them again at the end of the episode. And then maybe if yeah, we haven't answered them, we can steer back from our conversation to actually be more on point. Yeah. All right. So the first question is how to convey the importance of addressing technical debt and how temporary fixes in parentheses and quick hacks in parentheses quickly ramp up technical debt and how this affects the product and the team morale. Okay, that's a long question. That's but, a great question. But a very way. good a question. A really, really good one. Well, mm-hmm. So I guess there are three things here, right? So it's like how to even address the importance of technical debt. Yeah. Also, how to, uh, I guess, uh, communicate or talk about the fact that temporary fixes or hacks that you do uh, quickly ramp up to technical debt which then you need to fix. Yeah, definitely. And also a third thing, a third topic is how this affects the product and the team morale. Yeah. Which is something that is maybe like not on paper, but you can feel it every day. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's that's a really good question. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the next one. So the next uh, person wrote, I'm looking forward to this one. So this episode, so thank you. We're looking for this one too. (laughs) (laughs) Happy you are. So he or she says, the elephant in the room for me is how to measure potential impact of an issue against deadline. In other words, strategies for determining when to sacrifice a feature so a particular, so a particular technical debt can be corrected and still meet the deadline. That's also Interesting. a great question. Yeah, yeah, so what's more important when you have to like weigh one against the other? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right, another question. So we have four. So this is the third one. Uh, who should own slash manage decisions around technical debt? Product owner, technical lead, developers, or the team? 
Oh, and they said, looking forward to this podcast. Yay. Yay. <laughs> People are actually listening. All right. <laughs> and the last question is, do you have a percentage of each sprint or some time box dedicated to technical debt? Which is, yeah, I guess one of the strategies that you can use, mm-hmm. but we yeah, will definitely. get to that. Yeah, and, so and, first, and yeah. we can, at least with we're talking about this one, we'll say whatever we give as an answer here, it's going to be personal personal experience or whatever yeah. we're doing and like we don't have a magical solution for no and we didn't write and we didn't write a book about it or <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah again it's from personal experience but mm-hmm. hopefully that's helpful um anyhow uh, i guess maybe we should say because we don't use acronyms so if we say tech debt that's technical debt <laughs> right yeah yeah okay because <laughs> that's like the lingo yeah that's that's the acronym that we've now yeah. kind of yeah. uncovered Yeah. All right. So I guess the most important thing to start with is um, what is technical debt and how it is not really refactored because those things uh, tend to be confused a lot in my world and in your world as well. Uh, so Raz, maybe you can like clarify that from your end. No problem. So if you want to know what refactoring is, you can basically pause this episode, go to our episode two and just listen, give it a listen. But in one sentence, maybe? Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. Okay. Um, but... The idea or the difference between technical debt and refactoring is refactoring is something that you do on the go. It's you factor new um, product-specific things into account when you write your code. So, for example, if you write something and when you wrote the initial feature, you had a goal to achieve X, Y, Z, and now you need to achieve B and C as well. Those are new factors. And then when you write your code, you probably need to take B and C into account, which means you prob- maybe you need to change your code. So it doesn't mean that it's technical debt. It's not a decision made. It's just you can't foresee the future. And thus, mm-hmm. every time the future hits you, you need to refactor your code or your structures to accommodate to what your product manager and your team decided to right. go in the direction of the and business. Yeah, and maybe in a like more uh, down-to-earth, concrete examples. So... Basically, a good example for what is refactoring is if you've, you wrote a feature, you wrote a homepage, simple enough. Mm-hmm. In your homepage, you have some buttons on the right to lead you to different pages and blah, 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 blah. And you have content and you don't have search. Now, when you, you get the request from your product manager, the business to have search integrated in your page, you probably need to do a lot of stuff in the background. For the user, it's just search, Right. But for, for you, you probably need to start integrating a new search database maybe, or you need to start thinking about how do I categorize the data structure of my, of my content that mm-hmm. I didn't do before. So all those things are taking new factors into account where when you wrote the initial page in the beginning, you never actually thought about Or you didn't even need to go that far because that would be like over-engineering. Yeah, y- and you don't want to To prepare for a future that might not come. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. We need to remember that software is not construction. Construction is, is rigid, software is loose. So mm-hmm. we can actually do something that fits perfectly to what we want. And then when we need to adjust, then we adjust. Then we refactor. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, and, and kind of slide into what technical debt is. So if, for example, we have a feature to write a content page without a search, perfectly fine, we wrote it. But when we actually discussed it, we said, well, you know, one of the things that we can do is... It, because we need to hit the market really quickly, like next month. Mm-hmm. We can take some detours. Some, uh, you know, we can discuss this in the team and say, we're not going to make a perfect solution. It's not going to be the cleanest solution. Um, and we're not going to follow maybe the strictest um, coding standards. We're not going to 
follow whatever like what we're not domain driven design we're not going to do that okay. we're just going to do something kind of dirty and we deliver that to production this is this is for example um the concept of technical debt and and to bring it into reality it's basically a loan we take a loan of time so we basically say to get to production in one month if we do it in the best way ever mm-hmm. then we won't get to production in a month we'll probably get there in three or four And then we would miss the market and that's dangerous. Yeah. So we take a loan right now to be faster into production. And taking into account that in the future we would have to pay it back. Yeah, and we pay it back and we, we take into account that it comes with interest. So, and, and, and this is kind of also answering question one, I think, about uh, quick hacks and temporary fixes. Um, those quick hacks that we do, they tend to multiply. So for example, if we've delivered something I don't know, let, let's say our API, our application programming interface, mm-hmm. has a connection to the database in it because we've decided not to create an abstraction for the database, right? Boring engineering lingo, never mind. But we've done that, and then we have a new developer coming in. And the new developer sees that we've done this pattern, and then what developers tend to do is copy-paste when mm-hmm. the new feature comes, right? Oh, I need a new a- endpoint. I need a new NP- API endpoint. I just copied the, the old one. Change yeah. the logic, new one. But that's a replication of the same problem now. And then it starts replicating into the mm-hmm. system. And it's actually growing and growing all the time. Technical debt is scary because it's, it's actually, we're taking a loan, but we need to pay it back. And if we don't pay it back, it actually grows like all loans. If we don't pay the loan back, the interest will become bigger and bigger until the interest will be bigger than our entire debt. All right, so let's talk about why uh, people tend to confuse the two. So technical debt and re- refactoring. Okay, So it's, it's actually, it makes sense why people confuse it. Um, basically, it's just lingo, right? So, and the lingo is very similar. Like, you need to take new factors into account that are product-driven, mm-hmm. that are completely new in refactoring. And usually with tech debt, you've made a decision, hopefully. Like, there is a different type of tech debt. We'll address that later. You've made a decision as a team to cut corners, and now you need to go and, and fix it. So the entire idea of I'm going in to fix something without the user seeing something or like... Um, Sounds like refactoring. Yeah, yeah, at Okshanata, we used to always call this um, the mermaid solution. So you've, you have a mermaid up in the sea and the, the top part is a man and the users, the people on the beach, they see the man. Mm-hmm. But beneath there's a fish. No one sees that. And like we go and, and quickly make the fish into a human. So like... The users don't feel the difference. They still, from the far, they see a, a person sitting on a rock. Yeah, so until the, the merman gets to them, I guess they don't know it's like half fish or exactly, something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's, we, we always made that joke that when we actually made the talks about technical debt, we always said we're going to make the merman or the mermaid solution where mm-hmm. we make something look nice because we take a loan over time and, mm-hmm. and we make calculated calculated decisions, right? We, we know what is difficult to actually um, to fix later and one is not. Mm-hmm. And infrastructural stuff, for example, if we had to go and we, we never actually cut corners on having an infrastructure for unit testing and testing. Even though a lot of the times we did cut corners on actually writing 100% or 80% coverage of unit tests, mm-hmm. we only tested the most important th- stuff. But 
um, it was really important for us when we did that is not to go crazy with the stuff, but still have the infrastructure that we can actually build upon later. Okay, so you mitigated and you decided yes. which things should remain for later for the technical debt or become technical debt and which yeah. things shouldn't. Yeah, and refactoring is kind of similar in that regards a lot of the times because sometimes for developers when refactoring comes, even though it's a product decision and it's a new product, mm -hmm. for them they need to structure the code and because developers tend, not just developers, like all of us as humans, we tend to work in a way that we break apart things to pieces. We say, oh, first we need to integrate Elasticsearch, for example, if we have, we now need to integrate search. And we need to categorize our data and we need to have like um, extract, transform, load process that goes through our data and moves it into Elasticsearch. Never mind the boring stuff. All those things are happening in the background, and for the user, there is nothing until there is a search bar. Right. And, and that's never, like, for people who are working on it, it's a different story. It's a user story that comes at the last of the, all the process, mm -hmm. and that's the, the easiest one. It's the tip of one. the iceberg. Yeah. And for, I think that's why it's, uh, there's always a mix-up between refactoring and, and technical debt and paying off technical yeah, debt. Yeah, I think there's another reason. And uh, the reason that I see or saw in other companies is that... Uh, Usually, when you go to pay technical debt, so when you want to spend time on things that you know need fixing, usually there are already new factors to take in, yeah. and then you also refactor. Yeah. So sometimes they're coupled together just because they are. And that's great. And that's a great. That's a great opportunity, our, maybe. Exactly. So part of strategies to pay technical debt, for example, if we're talking about strategies, um, is a way to actually when you touch something and you've made a decision. And we'll talk about how to make those decisions that you're going to fix it. Then you can actually fix stuff on the go. So mm -hmm. if you have a new product and, and you touch something, then you do the Girl Scout or Boy Scout rule where you just make it nicer than, than it was before. You go in and you know, oh, we already have, we've already made a decision to have better unit test coverage. Then when I go into this product, I'm just adding unit tests. So it feels refactoring because like I'm taking refactories into account, but it's not. It's just like you do stuff, you fix in, as, as you go along. Okay, what's the boy and girl scout? Yeah, um, weren't you in the Girl Scouts or something? No. Oh, I, I thought you were. <laughs> okay, learning new things. Um, so when you go camping in the Boy Scouts, there is the Boy Scout rule where you leave the campsite a bit cleaner than it was when you when you actually arrived. Ah, okay, yeah, I know the rule. I just didn't know yeah. it was named that way. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, before we move forward, maybe you can talk about the uh, different types of technical debt. Yeah. Just so we have it kind of hanging there. So we talked about the mitigated technical debt, where as a team, we basically make decisions to cut corners where we need to because we're taking a loan. And we know that, right? So you look at a feature, you know yeah. what you need to deliver, you know this time there's a deadline. We talk to the product manager, we talk right. to our UX designer, and we basically say, if we need to deliver this in this amount of time, we, and we basically want to as well, because we want to get Obviously. to our users faster, then we start discussing those things. And as technical debt, we, we just highlight risks. So if, for example, we say, well, if we really hack it completely, then we can be in production in a day. But it would not be um, it will be terrible, stable yeah. or or work well. Yeah, and, and we couldn't really fix it. We'll need to rewrite it in, in right. a couple of months. So those those type of things, they need to happen. And, and that's like technical debt is a normal thing to have in a regular uh, software engineering process. Mm -hmm. So you make decisions to have technical debt because sometimes your MVP don't work anyhow. So why spend all the time to have perfect coverage if 70% of the feature is going to change because there wasn't a good user reception for it? That's the best type of technical that you can, you can actually have. But that's not the only one. 
one that was meant to be technical debt yeah. because and that was you want to reach a goal. And, discussed. Yes. Yeah. and there is a different one, which is we're not perfect. We're human beings and we can't always think about everything. Like um, the great part of us being human beings is that we're creative and we do, we do things in, in, in not, not in a machine-like way. So mm -hmm. the best part of it is also the worst part of it. We make mistakes as we do things. And mm -hmm. sometimes we have some pressure and sometimes we just... They make decisions to not follow a pattern or we basically don't follow a pattern because people are not experienced or they weren't aware of stuff. Or giving even our Elasticsearch example. If you move to Elasticsearch, happened to me, by the way, at Okshinada, um, but we didn't have any Elasticsearch expertise, we had to learn how to use it as we actually wrote the code. And then so you create technical debt without knowing that yes, you're creating. Yes, we've made or a knowing, lot of mistakes. But, or knowing but not knowing what type of technical debt it would be or what the yes. size of it would be. Yes, we, we basically made a lot of mistakes that we had to pay a lot to fix later mm -hmm. because we didn't have a clue that what we're doing was wrong completely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a All different right. type of technical debt. And, so and that was the second type? Yeah. yeah, and the third one is, I think, one of the most common ones is basically technology shifts really, really fast. Yeah. And... Code. People call it legacy, usually, yes. right? Yes, and, and legacy code is, is always tricky. And it's tricky because when we move forward, the technology changes and, and our patterns adopt and become better. And then it's really hard to get whatever we did before to work with whatever we want to do now in the future. Yeah. So a lot of that is a problem. So, for example, a monolith was a common thing to do, I don't know, 15 years ago mm -hmm. when we moved to microservices or to... Um, type of like more service type of structures, it became a common problem where pe every organization or company was hiring for people to come and break down the monolith to pay mm -hmm. the technical debt of the monolith. But the monolith was also a pattern and evolved out of something else. So it's, yeah. it's, we're evolving and changing all the time and we need to make sure that our standards are actually there to support our deliver deliverability and velocity as a team. So yeah, that's, right. that's I think the third one, which is also a very common one. I guess it's really important for me to say for our listeners um, and to, to have it really you know, transparent in this conversation is that we have never, both of us, met a company that did not have technical debt. Oh, no, no, no. This thing does not exist. Maybe yeah. it exists if you're like an early on startup, whatever, no. and it's like your first week or something. <laughs> Even then, like you should have that. So it's like a very natural thing to have, whether you're like a company that's operating for years or months or decades and whether you're like super uh young small and successful it doesn't really matter because it it as you stated there are these three different types and you would always have that and that's one of the reasons that we want to talk about it today because we have to really address it and maybe that also touches um like one of the questions of like why should product managers care about this i they Product managers have to care about it. So just to talk about the startup, for example, quickly, when I created my failed attempt of a startup called Warehouse, we had technical debt after the first day because we've made a decision to be at shops that we were targeting small business places. Mm -hmm. And our entire front end was written in a way to actually work quick, quick and dirty um, because we wanted users... To see if the concept yeah, We wanted to see if we have customers. Yeah. <laughs> if people will actually would use what we want to do. Right. Yeah. And why get the product manager on board? I think if we stop with this entire... Even though we have like this multifaceted podcast, as we call it, if we work as a unit and our goal is to achieve many products, mm -hmm. 
then we need to have discussions about how some products or some decisions that we do will actually cause a ripple effect on the amount of what we can deliver in time. So basically, our development velocity is affected by any decision that we make, right? Yeah, so, but let me, so you use like, this is a super smart way to, <laughs> to describe it. Oh, but let thank me, you. Let, let me take it down a notch. <laughs> I, I see it in my role along the years in, in two uh, points, let's call it. One is planning forward and the other one is planning uh, the workload for now. So when we plan a project, uh, hopefully together, Uh, and we talk about a feature and when you want to ship it and what it should include. And we, you know, talk about the product requirements along with the technical team and we make those decisions. This is when exactly what you were saying, like when we plan this, hopefully we make an educated decision about which things should become technical debt or not. Yeah, sometimes we don't talk about it explicitly, uh, but we do choose which things to invest in and which things we uh, won't invest in. And I guess that's where the tech lead or the tech team like can, can discuss this internally and see if it makes sense for them after or during the discussions, obviously, uh, and, and negotiate on that. Uh, so this is when you plan forward, uh, when you're talking about making something new or you know yeah. revamping something. Yeah. But when you're also looking at the current workload, which always needs to be managed in terms of like, how much percentage or, or time or, I don't know, min month or hours or how you want to call it, you put into like bug fixing or refactoring or working on the feature or um, spending on technical debt. This is also something that is managed like on the day to day. And this is uh, where people talked about strategies. So it's not something you talk about once a year. It's also something that's already there because you have technical debt, regardless of the feature you're planning on working on. Yeah. You basically always have technical debt and you're basically always planning for a new... F you, you basically always are refactoring because you have new products coming if your company is alive. Like we're talking yeah. about living companies that are changing and, 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 and still alive deliver Alive and products. responding yeah. to the market. Let's exactly. Call it that. So if your company is on maintenance mode, then tough. I guess that's a different topic. But, um, and if, a different strategy probably. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so... So if your company is alive... Um, sorry to interrupt. Um, then... You always have all those things happening at the same time. You, mm -hmm. you have this discussion, should engineers write user stories every time. And you have that t refactoring as a topic all the time. And you have technical debt all the time. And that's why we have, in kind of agile or whatever processy way, we have planning meetings where we actually need to bring those things. Like, basically, I think someone told me that Hungarians say, put the cat on the table as an as a allegory to actually talk about everything kind mm. of um, without... I yeah. don't like that. <laughs> I don't think we would like to put our cats on the table. No, no, no. Our cats <laughs> will destroy the table, but yeah. yeah. So, but you put everything on the table, right? Like right. You, you basically talk about all those things and you need to prioritize. And there are many different strategies we can yeah. talk about. But let's, let's go back to then why should the product uh, manager be involved in this or why yeah. should you get your product manager on board? The simple reason is The product manager uh, determines at the end of the day which things go in or stay out yeah. of the feature yeah. when it should be released because that person is uh, is in touch with the market needs and the users and should know. And also because that person at the end of the day, hopefully, <laughs> determines you know how much work you should put into what. Not in the sense of like managing the day-to-day -day of the team, but of giving a guideline of 
this is worth investing in or not. And if the product manager does not have all the information of what we should do, they can make the wrong decisions that could hurt us uh, in the short run or the long run. Or also if the technical team feels and has a good case of why we should do something, but they don't communicate it, this may be overlooked. Yeah, and, and this is where communication is very important. Yeah, and, or yeah. let's say that the technical team decides they, they're going to do it anyway. That also can be, uh, that can break some trust. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we talked about how trust is important in our last episode. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm with you completely, and I think um, we, we, we need to kind of start looking at ourselves in a more holistic yeah. product team. I think one of the reasons that um, startups work, work really well before they grow into something bigger is because they all have one goal. They want to deliver one thing to whatever mm-hmm. to the users. And then the bigger you get, you get more fragmented and, and more detached from those things. Yeah, and the delivery of information when you're under 50, like a company under 50, is usually very easy. Yeah. And then everyone knows and that part of communication is already solved. Yeah. So I know that we're in tec- technical debt for these things and you know what we're trying to achieve with that feature. So we don't have to have these conversations in a structured way. But when you go to bigger companies or older companies, then you have to talk about it. You have to dedicate some time for it because it's just like this garden thing when you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you want to like, uh, I don't know, uh, change the soil for some plant, which I guess that would be refactoring of some sort if everything is rotten underneath it doesn't matter uh, what do you do to the plant like everything's going to die and that's in the long run so there are some mitigations you should do for the short term or long term sometimes it's okay to put technical debt aside and say it's not for now because we have targets and we need to hit the market with something otherwise we won't have a business and we won't have that time to give back Uh, or Sometimes you take a look at the bigger picture and you say, if we don't start like dripping and like doing all those uh, technical debt changes a long time now over these past uh, like next few months, and I see you're smiling, (laughs) then in six months or one year, we would hit a wall. Yeah. And that's exactly the discussion you should have. And, and this is where technical teams or engineering managers, tech leads, senior developers, whatever, all those Everyone, whatever in your organization that is talking about those things, they should bring it up. And and the entire concept of getting your product manager on board is like a title that we actually kind of thought of because I think there is a disconnect there. But for us, yeah. I think there isn't. N- not for us at this point. But if, again, we you know go back in time and talk to junior me, then yeah. I would say, yeah, I'm interested in about like strategies on how to make sure these things are done. But I don't actually understand why we're doing those, why are they important? I was told they're important. And the more you go into product management and the more you understand, you know, what's on those scales on each and different hand, then you understand you have to include this. Yeah. And maybe we can, you know, from our experience, talk about like a couple of tips if we talk about communication. So, yeah. so my tip would be um, a product manager and the technical lead or an experienced developer, someone who can... Um, narrate you know what is going on in the team in uh human words <laughs> not only code words haha <laughs> code words anyway <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible pun oh, but yeah. like take the time take a coffee and go sit and talk talk about whether you have legacy code 
talk about which shortcuts you're going to do and how much it's going to cost you just sit and talk out like outside of this you know huge planning meetings with many people so you can dive into things and and simplify them so each uh, side on the table like can can ask the questions that they care about that would be my tip yeah um my tip would be to try and talk about them i think for developers it's sometimes difficult but talk about the cost of what is the technical debt. So, for example, if yeah, you get excellent. to the point that um, you actually pay more time doing maintenance work mm -hmm. on a feature, then, then the time you actually cut and you can deliver new stuff, then this is a big problem. That's, right. that's already too late. But actually addressing that and saying we see that the maintenance work that we get from the technical debt that we've made a decision to fix, whatever, or the, the, the cutting corners that we've made already mm -hmm. before, um, is hitting us over and over again, and it actually takes away 20% of our dev velocity just to do that. Yeah. Talking to a product manager that actually cares about timelines and, and product work, if you say that to a product manager, a product manager might say 20% of, yeah. your, of your velocity, and what will be the effort? And if you say, oh, we could do it in whatever, in a month, two, three, or we have different strategies to do it in, in, in a cascading way, like we just do it once in mm -hmm. one feature, and then when we touch another feature, we do it then. I'm pretty sure your product manager will be fine. And the right. discussion is actually speaking the language of a product manager. True. And I think uh, experienced product managers also understand that there are like uh, a couple levels to, to these kinds of things. So there is the pure um, time planning of like every time, like we have many bugs in this topic, which means we're working on this a lot because let's let's assume they're prioritized uh, as a high priority and you have to work on these. So it means like we're spending a lot of time fixing bugs. Every time we touch it, it's a mess. So it requires more and more time. And in talking about planning, it um, it makes it harder for us to plan, actually, yeah. what we can deliver. That's one problem. Another problem is spending time on something that you don't perceive as important for your strategy. However, let's say you have to maintain it because the users use it a lot. Yeah. Okay, so you have to like maintain that expectation while trying to build something new. So that's the, the pure time management. And there's another dimension to this. And of course, uh, product managers are not the managers of the team directly. So I don't, you know, uh, approve vacation time or whatever. And this is not my role. But we're definitely in charge of the motivation of the team mm -hmm. and the understanding well. of... Well, not entirely. But engineering along managers as well, but yeah. Exactly, but together along with engineering managers. So I'm not like this cold person sitting in the <laughs> side of the room like pointing and saying, you do that because if I don't get people on board or they don't want to do what yeah. we should be doing, then what's the point? Like I... Making people do something with your finger pointing to, to you know, to the chart never works yeah. a long time. And so... For for developers, what I mean to say in that sense is if there's something, but you don't know how to like express it like it's 20% or something, but you know it hurts every time you touch it. And no one wants to pick up that bug because you've had it like seven times already. That is something you can bring into a conversation. And then an experienced product manager can ask more questions and try to make that estimation along with you. So even if you have that hunch, but you don't know how to express it, just come and say, I hate it. It's painful. It has always been painful. Like you joined just, you know, three months ago, but I've been here for three years and it always was an issue. Yeah, every and time then, everyone, someone touches that thing, it just makes it even or worse. Or it breaks. It breaks. Or we can't yeah. touch it without it breaking. Yeah. Or we cannot integrate this new, I don't know, payment method because of this and that. So this is crucial information for product managers yes. that technical people know and the product manager 
doesn't necessarily know because maybe you know she wasn't there before yeah yeah and and i, I totally agree um i just i have a question then yeah because part of what like part of a problem uh, represented online or basically people writing about that is technical debt is sometimes addressed by developers is we just want to do something cooler or this thing is written in a way that is like boring. It's working, but it's blah. I don't know. Like we want to do React on our front end, even though our front end is now something mm. else. How do you feel about that? As um... Something cool does not <laughs> fall into the category of technical debt or refactoring for me. It doesn't mean that it's a no. Yeah. It definitely, there are opportunities. And again, talking about motivation and keeping up with the market all those things, we, we can try cool things. It just needs to be done in the appropriate context and to <laughs> when be, we can afford it and, and the experimentation. And to talk about it, exactly. And to talk about it. Yes. However, but don't, don't shove it into technical debt. I mean. No, but sometimes when you decide to, and this is where we are touching again, the, the coupling of technical debt and refactoring, because yeah. sometimes when you pay technical debt, you also refactor. And sometimes when you refactor or pay technical debt, you also want to move frameworks or try something new. Yes. Because there could be two facets for this. One is that it makes sense to solve the problem. And the other one is that it's cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's fine if the context works. But this is exactly when these conversations should happen. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think a lot of developers kind of feel that, you know, product managers, like, they don't care. Or no, they don't, they don't, don't want. So. Or maybe maybe they wouldn't understand. I don't think so. At least I, I don't think anymore that that's the case. I really I, I, hope so. I really hope so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like it's changing. Yeah? Like, I, I do. I do. Um, it, it was the case 10 years ago, definitely, mm -hmm. for me as well. Uh, I think the more developers I hire, the more new developers I'm on board recently mm -hmm. are actually more in tune to that. We are one product cohesive unit and, and the product managers as well. Yeah. So I think that is changing in the last few years, at least yeah. since, you know, I'm a product manager. I, I've also seen those changes, but I think also from my perspective, when I go into a team and start working with them, um, then this is um, some language or a conversational tool that I also bring in terms of, uh, I would say training. I don't know, like to say, if you want to talk to me about this thing, here are the ways or the terminology or the things that are important for me to know. So you can talk to me about that. And uh, maybe this is the point where I'm always happy to leave behind me teams that are more qualified at speaking to other teams, yeah. like to, to talk to marketing, talk to the product owner, talk to whatever the content department, talk to customer care, whoever they are. Um, and But I guess uh, sometimes when I go into teams, what I feel is that maybe they don't know how to or they don't know which things I would care about. And obviously, when you try to convince someone or to get them on board with your idea, it's good to know what they care about. And this yeah. is what I mean when like maybe they're afraid or don't know. Yeah, and at least to focus on technical debt, there yeah. is a way to talk about that relatively easy. We do Let's use, talk about that then. So we do use the, the concept of debt here as as an allegory the concept of technical debt is basically just it comes from from finances from the finance world right, right. so the concept of a debt is exactly what we need to use when we talk to a product manager mm -hmm. we've made a decision as a team to cut corners and our our currency in that regards is time we basically take a loan over time and yeah. in reality when we buy an apartment for example we take a mortgage so we can get the apartment now mm -hmm. and we continue to pay for it for the next 20 years. Yeah. And you better pay it like 
in the earlier years rather than later on. Yes, and, and you basically want to always pay it. Right, because if you get to the end and you're just paying, you know, the interest, then yeah. you're just working for that interest. And the which, debt remains the same. Right, and, yeah. you, and you can't do anything else with that money, yeah. which is exactly, I guess, the case that we're in. Because if you did not pay technical debt and you're now six months down the road and your whole team is then just trying to maintain or like save, you know, the current whatever the, the feature you delivered just just to maintain it so it works well or rewrite yeah. it so you can keep up with the customers then your team cannot do anything else that is new and that could mean for the business that it could die yes because uh, you cannot introduce anything new exactly and that's that's the worst thing you can do and, and if right. we say that time is super important for us and in that regard and we've lost time like we don't have any time to do anything else but to maintain the software that we have then we have either to hire more people Yeah. And which onboard is them, and which time. is money and time. Or we basically start making a decision. And the decision is to actually go and fix the root cause problem and, yeah. and to, pay, to pay that debt now. And, and this is where the talk with the product manager and to explain that mm -hmm. way in advance, in the planning phase, makes it easier because you, can, you prepare your product manager, you prepare your engineering manager mm -hmm. for what you're going to do and the decisions that you actually have made. So if you've made a decision... And also get a commitment, I yeah. guess, from that person to know whether this is something that can be addressed in the you know coming months. Exactly. And if, if it's not, then you can you just can actually then say, we cannot Make deliver a better this decision. feature. <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever, right? Yeah. So by, by surfacing that problem, by surfacing that you're going to deliver something, mm -hmm. but you take a loan over time, means that you have to pay your debt in the future. Yeah. And that's, that's I think, what I said about quick hacks as well is, It, it's it, technical debt, like all debts, they grow exponentially yeah. because it's not just the fixes. It's, it's also people tend to replicate that code yeah. because once you have a code in production that is disgusting, a developer will copy paste it. It yeah. will start moving. It will start growing or you have more users. Then there's more demand. So the quick fix is always easier than to go and fix the root cause. Yeah. And so. I guess I guess it's it's fine to do those things and you don't always have to especially if you're in like either startup mode or you have to deliver something it's okay not to take every moment of every time and just sit for a coffee and say let's talk about this and let's plan because yeah. that that happens also that you have to just get things shipped yes and and have them work and then talk about it but don't skip talking about when you do get a moment yeah and, and even if it already happened so there there are ways to kind of if 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 talking is a problem, and which for some engineers that I've met it is, um, there are... Just because of the nature of the profession, yeah, I yeah. guess, the day-to-day -day type of work. Exactly. Then there you can use something like cost of delay, which is just basically... Um, I'm going to link it in the episode. I'm not going yeah. to go into it, but it comes from finance. And the idea is you put numbers into what will be a cost of delay. Mm -hmm. So if, if for finances... And, and don't use it as a, as a, like a mathematical uh, um, solution. Use it as a conversational tool. So basically try and say, if we will delay this technical debt fix mm -hmm. by X amount of time, it will cost us time. And by that time, we will not be able to probably deliver those products. Yeah. And this is a good conversational tool because it's actually talking about artifacts and not talking to a product manager and trying to convince a product manager for something that you feel like, I don't it, know, it's, it it's personal. It points the conversation to the topic itself and yeah. the people that are involved and this is actually uh so yeah definitely link it um and there are like also i don't know if it's the same thing but there are like simpler methods yes. of like just put down a number like break it down to what this means if we do a or what this means if we do b and break it down to like 
how much does this cost us now? Like a week of one developer or two. Yeah. And how much it would cost us uh, if we, you know, decide to cut this part out or do it like in a quick and dirty way now and in the future. And even like doing this very simple table and putting some numbers on it is really helpful for that conversation to just see the gap. Yeah. And again, you don't have to make it perfect. You don't commit to exactly one week and not seven days and not eight days and not eight and a half. You don't have to go into this just like uh, on a broader level, just try to, to make the differences uh, clear. Yeah. Um, and this is also something that I really encourage all any developer that I work with to try and come up with those things a long time. And that helps our conversations uh, become more professional, I would yeah, say, definitely. and a bit more time efficient because they already know which things I would be interested of knowing, which is exactly what I said now. Yeah. Uh, and when they come to me with a question, they already have some sort of plan. And that means that I can trust them more. I know that know what they're talking about. Sometimes they don't know how to put these numbers and we just, uh, you know, meet with the team, with the rest of the team and do it together. Yeah. Uh, but it means that we're already, both of us are like way ahead ahead in that conversation to solving yeah. the problem and, making and, the decision and you did say a plan which is great because yeah. that kind of forces the engineering team to come up with a plan and there are different on their own yeah and and there are different ways to to tackle um technical debt payment so if for example so we're talking about strategies now right yes, which is one yes, of our questions exactly so let's so talk about it from your perspective and yeah so there are many strategies basically the first one would be when you start a project, you talk to your product manager or whatever a product uh, yep. blah, owner. Um, anyhow, but when you start a discussion, you basically lay out a plan and you say, we mitigate those risks. Mm -hmm. And we also are not perfect, so we'll probably make mistakes and we're going to pay off. So every everything we deliver to production, we take into account that maintenance work will come in and mm -hmm. technical debt that will need to be paid will come into it as well. That's a solution. And this is also, I can tell you from the strategy point of view, when you plan for... A uh, work of a team for a full year, for example, you put some percentage on this, no matter what the conversation yeah. was with the uh, technical team, because you know there's always maintenance to be done. Yeah, and, and everything we, every time we deliver something new, we actually accumulate yeah. maintenance. So this is the planning from the other perspective. Yes, but now let's talk about the more urgent yeah. thing, which is what happens if we are already in the world where we have a lot of technical debt. And there are many ways to deal with that. I think one, I think every... Every technical team should have a technical backlog of debt that they've mm -hmm. accumulated and, and, and they should own it as if uh, in parallel to a product manager owning their own backlog or right. icebox even. Again, not refactoring though. No, technical no, debt. not refactoring. Technical debt. Things that we're actually doing. So, and it's really easy to kind of spot them. So maintenance work that we do all the time. For example, I need to run a, a script every day or we're doing some manual thing or whatever. Every time we touch this code, it's mm -hmm. becoming... A, a mess and, and uh, because we wrote it in a way that is that, that, that way. And you can actually bring that into your planning session. And, and again, explain those type of things. And as far as strategies, how to fix stuff, you can start by actually focusing on one problem in your big technical debt mm -hmm. and fix that or at least fix the root cause problem. And then every time you touch a new feature, you tell your product manager, in this feature now, I'm going to actually port the code to the new technical debt and then that way you always change your code and you always your code always emerges and changes and it's becoming like a like a living organism basically so if you for example i gave this you have database in your api connection blah crap i gave that example in the beginning of the episode if i won't cut it um and now you've created a database abstraction 
then going over all the APIs and starting changing everything will be very costly, most likely, and most likely... So that's the part of the code that you duplicated. Yes. And the original one was not, you know, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you have this in various places. Yeah. But then you go and you fix it for one specific product, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've had a product request and you fix it from the root cause for one. So you create a database abstraction layer, for example, or whatever, and you link it through that. Mm -hmm. And then... Next time you touch something else and you touch an API that is, has a dirty, rotten code, then you say, hey, product manager, part of what we agreed upon is when I touch a new part of that old mm -hmm. code, I port it to the new one. And that way I eradicate this problem by actually moving forward with our product work. So we take that user story that came from the product manager yeah. and we take that technical debt story or a task and we say, this was whatever points and this was whatever points and they should go together. So we are clear on like how much effort this is going to be unknown or known. I mean, we should, you know, talk about that, but let's, let's pretend it's rather known or, yeah. you know, you can put some, some uh, measurement on that. Yeah, yeah. Then, then we know that it's not just half of it going in, but both are going in together. It would take some time, but you would deliver both. And the more we Technical do it, the more, the more we actually become more efficient because we actually learn how to do it better. And also our, vel our velocity improves because we fix as we go all the time. So right. every time we deliver a new product, we basically also eradicated maintenance work while delivering a new thing, which is kind of nice. What, what is your strategy if it's a... I, I agree with those strategies yeah. and I'll, I'll talk about strategy from my perspective soon. But what happens if you have something that is not coupled with a request? But it has to be touched because it's, let's say, unstable. Yeah, well, if it's unstable and it has to be touched, then going in and fixing that problem makes sense. And if, if I mean, the numbers or like, not just the numbers, like also the team morale and all those things are actually making sense that it, it needs to, to happen, mm -hmm. then we go in and we do that. And, uh, and in that regards, if it's one th component that is problematic, the entire thing is a component, then a rewrite could be a solution or basically fixing from within could mm -hmm. be a different solution. It depends on on what on what risks were mitigated and, and what decisions were made. But and sometimes you don't know because it was a while ago, right? And and part of it is exploring, yes. Part of what being a software engineer means that you need to explore in someone else's code mm -hmm. or in an old code as well and, and then figure out the best solution for, for everyone else mm -hmm. and come with a proposal. And that proposal could also be a proposal that comes with technical debt in it. So I'm going to fix it, but the perfect solution will be three years. Mm-hmm. A good enough solution will be three months mm -hmm. and we'll still reduce technical debt by 80%, but still 20% maintenance will remain because we haven't made the perfect solution. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you then? You said that you have your own tactic as well to kind of... Well, yeah. And I agree with, I guess, your experience, but maybe I can talk about from my perspective the things that I, that I see. So one of the things is when you do... Um, planning i guess financially for the size of the team or how many people you should hire again not me doing that but with an engineering manager but you know we talk about the needs uh, in the company is that uh this is exactly when you say all right so we don't you know it's like when you plan for a person's day and they work for eight or nine hours they don't work the full eight or nine hours they work maybe at their best uh, 60% or 80% of like super efficient, you know, yeah. and, and have a good day. So you can't plan for every minute of every day of each person because, you know, a computer breaks or you're tired or you had a crappy day or 
you're exploring something or yeah. you're just human and you went to eat lunch and you had <laughs> pasta and you're tired, you know? These things are like... That's are, my day, yeah. Yeah, but we are people at the end of the day. And you have to plan for this. So you don't plan for complete full capacity. Yes, people should be productive, but this is a part of your planning. And again, with that, it's just kind of like that backlog when you say, all right, so I acknowledge the existence of that backlog for whatever type of technical debt that it is, the first, second, or third, but I know it exists and it would always exist because this is how we maintain our business yeah. by delivering things and knowing that some things would come in the future that we would have to take care of. Yes. So then you can, um, I guess there are different ways of doing this, but you can say 10% of all uh, the team throughout the year should be for technical debt or 20% or 30% knowing, you know, uh, your company and how much of legacy code it has yeah. or what your plans are whether it's more maintenance mode and you have already a, a very stable uh, product or whether it's more like startup mode and then maybe you yeah. pay less now, but you pay more in the future. So for me, for example, we have we integrated the technical debt payment into our product roadmap. Right. So when we discussed the end of the year, when we actually built the roadmap for 2019. But did you do like percentages or like topics? Interesting. Um, well, topics and as we had product managers engineering managers tech leads we all discussed this mm -hmm. and we basically gave estimations as well so we when we built the roadmap uh, okay. we actually built it according to our rough estimation mm -hmm. and then we shifted things around according to people that we have and it, having said that all having said all that we didn't plan for 100 we still planned for 80 of the people because, because life <laughs> because life because yeah. life because maintenance so but we did integrate like uh three times where we go and pay like really heavy technical debt that we've accumulated it's a, we are basically using a software that's is right. 18 years old so yeah so i more. guess when you put a percentage or a number on it it can be something along the year that you know uh, trickles like every sprint every month a little bit or something that's steady or you know a bit more this sprint a bit less that sprint yeah or you can do it in like project based when you just you know, pause something and go in and pay technical debt. That also happens. Usually when something is way too big and you fixing it over time makes the interest just go higher. Yeah. And you say, you know, if we just spend like two weeks or a month or three months even and just refactor this thing, I well, I just said refactor, but sometimes yeah. it's refactoring as well. Um, then we would have a good base and things can be delivered faster. So this is just, again, weighing, you know, uh, the benefits and the the pros and cons, I De guess. Definitely. And and um, part of what we do, for example, is we don't fix everything. So because we're an 18-year-old software, like fixing a technical yeah, debt for us... Having a list doesn't yeah. mean you have to go on every item. Yeah. And, and, and for example, if we have something that we go in to fix, for example, we have a database stuff, never mind with the topic. Um, one of the things that we do do is we fix the root cause and we apply it for one specific table only. And then from that point on, every new development team that will work on a product will use that new laid out plan. Mm. So then we still do... So you set up something to migrate from one... Exactly. And then we migrate in a cascading way. We, right. Yeah. But we okay. still like... But the first setup requires more time. The first setup always requires much more yeah. time. And, and that could be... But that's the investment, I guess. That's like, you know... Yeah. And it's really difficult for me, for example, to actually more bring it into a, a structured static team structure that some other companies have because we have a very dynamics team. Mm -hmm. So we build teams according to problems. So in that regards, we do have, for example, now a team paying technical debt and they're assembled for that specific thing. And they're then they disband and they move back to their, um, to their organic wiki data team. Yeah. 
So this this is when you're working on project based and the technical debt problem specifically becomes its own project. Yes. With a dedicated team, which, by the way, I think works with your journey model, right? Yes, exactly. Which we'll link because it's um, <laughs> really good. Yeah, it's a recommendation, definitely. Okay. Uh, to to see, uh, to read about. Um, anyway, but maybe in a more like so we talked about strategy and things are like high level. Although you start, started talking about the day to day. Um, but there is uh, another way that I worked uh, a couple of years ago in, in a company and we had like a tech debt lane. Basically, uh -huh. like if you have, if you imagine having a big board uh, and you have the lanes of like various topics and let's say for topic A, we usually spend like 30% of our, you know, workforce on this and for topic B is like 10% because it's it's fine, but we need to adjust things. Then we... Uh, tried it out and decided, for example, that in the next uh, three months, we would dedicate 10% of our velocity. And yeah. that was using points then yeah. uh, for tech debt. And this is when, for example, I did not prioritize as a product manager what goes in, but then the team had their own backlog. Yeah. And that, if that works for the team, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then when great. they made their planning session, they can like grab things or if they finished something early and they had more time, they can grab something more. And this was an agreement between us. And I think we learned over time that 10% is not enough. Yeah. I, it's more like towards between uh, 15 to 20%. Um, but this was already like a team, actually three teams that functioned like that were really high functional and they really knew how to organize themselves. And in that sense, we had trust Mm -hmm. Also in the the professional knowledge, but also in the organization and knowing that people would not, you know, cross the line of, of investing the time on things that we agreed on. Uh, and we said 15%, then it was 50% and people tracked their time. And when they hit that limit or were close to hitting that limit, we knew that they would, uh, I'm saying we because it was a part of a bigger team. We knew that they would come in and tell us, you know, we're almost almost there and let's mitigate like whether we should go work on that feature or continue with the technical debt. And in that sense, we felt very comfortable giving, you know, their own lane where we didn't even interrupt or didn't need to know what they decided to work on. And they could decide whether it's coupled with a new feature or whether it's something that's completely different. Sounds great to me. Yeah. And I Whatever think this is like an ideal situation where you have like a lot of trust in a professional team. Uh, yeah. That's the only thing. That's the only way to work in my opinion. So yeah. yeah but obviously this is not the... It's not in every place, of course. It's not in every place and not just because, you know, people don't... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. There are <laughs> all the reasons. Like just... Sometimes not the setup people are junior or yeah. it's like a new team that is formed and you can't really do that yet. Mm -hmm. And this is where you should plan more talk more do the planning together along with technical debt yeah, yeah. feel free to, to bring it in is there any other technique that you kind of know no, I, i think i think that's that's um a very common one as well like yeah. uh, i think even one of the questions that we've had was actually do you have dedicated time for technical debt payment in the sprint which is exactly you just kind of yeah. answered that um, i think to, to sum this part up is uh, make it explicit don't always attach it to something because it can get lost And it's okay to take a technical debt ticket, let's call it, and a user story ticket and put them together. That's the in best a way. Yes. Yeah. But then you, you know what problem you're trying to solve in each. And it's fine if they're like, they have common things together. And I'm kind of like, you know, showing with my hands how they should be coupled <laughs> together, but you can't see that. Um, but it's really important to also have that list as a, as a separate one because then you can reprioritize things as you go along, saying, ah, this thing is super painful. We should put it on the top. And see, you know, how we should approach either as a project or an assemble a team for it or pause everything or just 
trickle those changes along time and use this lane or a percentage of time yeah along a sprint I think this is like maybe a summary of the yeah it, you it can feels use. like we're wrapping up so um, <laughs> yeah. I think what we did promise our, our listeners that we'll go back to the questions and just right. make sure that we've answered all of let's them. do that then I'm going to now go back to our questions basically yeah. and just read them out loud and maybe I'll use my terrible voice this time <laughs> and you can tell us if we've answered them and if not then maybe yeah. we can just elaborate a bit more so the first one yes how to convey uh, the importance of addressing technical debt and how to Temporary fixes in quotes and quick hacks in quotes quickly ramp up technical debt and how this affects the product and the team morale. All right. So in terms of uh, addressing and the importance and communicating how those temporary fixes and quick hacks ramp up to technical debt, we said this is all about communication. So sometimes you can communicate before you actually um, make the decisions or write the code and you know what will be the effect. And this is where you can also negotiate. On which things are appropriate to become technical debt or not or maybe if something is never going to be addressed then maybe don't make it a technical debt and like make it right <laughs> um, but also um, yeah sometimes it's in hindsight so you already did something you shipped it and then you grab a cup of coffee and you sit together and you talk about it uh, yes. hopefully breaking down to a list or something that is um, written and in that way can communicate. What is the work that needs to be done? What are the effects? Uh, how much time is required? And it could be a symbolist of like topic A. We know it's a thing because we have many bugs and people hate it. And this was going on from, from last year. How much time is required? Maybe we don't know. Or a week or two. Or let's put two people on a workforce for this for like a couple of days and find out. These are all ways to communicate with. Uh, the importance of the problem and how to address it yeah and as far as how temporary fixes and quick hacks quickly ramp up I think we kind of answered already yeah. technical debt basically tends to grow and, and and basically evolve to be bigger and bigger and we build upon technical debt which means we build right. more and more upon our, our decisions and so I think taking your analogy or like the the if the you go debt. back to the region yeah. of like what is debt and Yeah, exactly. Taking from fineness and talk about the interest or how it can bring the business to a halt if you don't pay that back is something that if you just, you know, have that conversation usually wakes people up. That's what I, I would convey. That's what I usually convey. And, and as far as team morale, when a team stops delivering and becoming maintenance mode, everyone would leave. It never people survives. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and the product, even if they don't, the product won't survive. Nothing it, would it wouldn't survive. change. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is how you can communicate that. You would say, basically lose the best people. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah. you know, even if, uh, let's say you <coughs> try to have the conversation and two months has gone by and this was never prioritized, you can always come back and say, look, this is building up to be a problem yeah, and exactly. we have to address it still, even if we hadn't done this now. So this can always change. Yeah. And, and some people, I, I would agree that some people need frameworks to actually convey those messages. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, again, talk about cost of delay or maybe use a rice metrics and rice metrics is reach impact um, confidence and effort if I remember correctly yeah. acronyms um, and there are different frameworks I guess we yeah. can link a couple and if we you will know link a any, couple then yeah uh, let us know we're happy to learn as well yeah um, and in terms of how this affects the product in the team we're also we said how it affects the product because it can bring it to a halt or maintain it in a way that you can also de deliver new things and And team morale is like when, when people don't want to touch an area in your product and it's really hard to get people uh, uh, to work in this in a motivated way, 
then this is terrible because it means that even if you do do the work there, people are like less aware, less motivated. It, maybe there's more risk that it will not chip on time. Maybe people don't ever want to touch it. It's really hard to like recruit. If it's an old framework or terrible code, then yeah, then yeah, again, like it's hard to recruit people to work on this. And this is not my words, even it's engineering manager words like you and <laughs> others. Um, yeah. But definitely this is something that you do want to maintain. And if you don't take care of the, the debt that you had, then you make it a problem in your future to like bring people in or have them work on something. All right. So second question. Yeah. Okay, the elephant in the room for me is how to measure potential impact of an issue against deadlines. Mm. In other words, strategies for determining when to sacrifice a feature so particular technical debt can be corrected and still meet the deadline. All right, so we didn't address this completely, but I guess this goes into when we were talking about planning in advance for yes. technical debt in a smart way. So a way to do this is um, put everything on the table, and make it clear like uh, what is uh, the price of what. This can only be done with a conversation, maybe used by some of the tools that we would link. When you basically, uh, however you do it, you break things down into a list uh, of unique problems or specific features or stories or tasks, whatever they are, uh, and try to make sure it's clear what each of those things are and how much work you have to put into them. And what are the alternatives? So you can even like, if you imagine a table where you have like A, what it is, um, uh, plan A is to make it perfect. That would be, you know, three weeks. Plan B is with this mitigation, that's two weeks. And plan C is do it in two days and it creates technical debt. And then you can like have another, uh, you know, column that says, if we have plan C with that technical debt, then if we do it next month, it would be two more weeks to spend on this. And this is when you can like have a, some written up matrix that shows you what you can pick and choose because at the end of the day, you only have so much time and you say, if, or if I have only 10 weeks, what do I choose? And then you can, yeah, pick and choose together. Uh, honestly, if you went into that level of planning, first, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Secondly, this can really pay off because if this is something big, and you have to um, make that plan uh, very consciously, then even if you spend a whole day doing this, even with two people or three people, let's say, which is a lot of time to spend on this, you already made some very educated decisions that would um, not cost you as much as if you hadn't, you know. So it's very good planning. So you're actually saving time uh, along the way, and you're, you would be choosing. I imagine that you would, like, choose one plan, then imagine how it would work out, have some questions come up, maybe try another setup, and then and then eventually choose the right one. Yeah. And, and this does not have to take a whole day. Yeah. And for me, uh, I would say as a as an engineering manager or a technical whatever, team lead and, and whatever, the technical team needs to own their own technical debt backlog. And basically, when you plan for the year, you come and you, you try to give numbers of, of the effort that each of those things are actually adding to your work. Mm -hmm. And if you take into account, like, um, I want to achieve something within the year, um, but if we continue to do this, we will not be able to achieve products. But if we handle this now, then we actually can achieve the future. This is a topic that you can actually discuss. Try to always estimate according to the reality and not uh, like um, optimistic Estima uh, estimations of but not developers. pessimistic as well but not pessimistic yeah, try just to really 
take a look at the problems that there are there, try to actually ask yourself what really were the reasons yeah. that those things were happened, what are the pitfalls that might happen, yeah. play and out in your, in your head what happens if you actually hit the rabbit hole that keeps on giving. And, yeah, and um, that's exactly when you can like look at alternative planning exactly. and say, this seems better than that alternative and uh, because this and that, and you can obviously take it back to the team or if you want to like consult with people, it doesn't have to be decided in one room in one day at one time. You can like do this and take it back to the team and consult and have a question and come back, which is usually how good things get done. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then choose one, stick to it, I guess, change along the way if you, if yeah. you need to, but you know, not every day. Yeah, and, and don't don't follow your plans, basically. Try to plan for... I mean, trust your decision, exactly. but don't just follow the plan because it's a plan. Exactly, yeah. Make a decision and then let your plans emerge and change and, and have a conversation all the time. Basically, it's the best thing right now to do is instead of like planning and following a plan because yeah. we've made a plan, is always to adopt and change and, and react to the, the reality. True, but you know what I like about the... Um, frameworks in which we do the plans is that we usually if you sit down to make a plan even if you don't go through with it you have that broken down list and that takes the most time yeah to break it down to clarify which things what we're talking about what is what and how much it is and all these alternatives and you don't don't go into you know seven whatever options stick to two or three yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's more than enough um and if you need to then adjust the plan then you have all the puzzle pieces and you just adjust the number from four to five or from six to two or whatever. And it's way more easier than to discuss it. You already did all the legwork. Yes. And I think this is the tool and a strategy of how to deal with this. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Question number three. Yeah. Yeah. So who should own slash manage decisions around technical debt? Product owner, technical lead, developers, the team. Looking forward for this podcast. Well, here we are. <laughs> um, maybe sending it back to you. Do you think we managed to answer this one? Um, my answer is it's case to case basis. Um, it depends on the team and it depends on, on that unit of work. So, a so technical let's give lead, an example from, for here and for that. Um, I don't know. Like um, where I work, for example, we have tech lead and the tech leads, that's part of what they do with the engineering managers. They, mm -hmm. they manage a technical debt backlog. At Okshanata, for example, where I worked before, we... It was done by me as an engineering lead and by uh, the product manager. Mm -hmm. We both actually managed that kind of. We, we negotiated that all the time. Um, I think it's fine. Whatever it is, it's fine as long as it works for, for the team. And if there is a good feeling of um, trust and, and, and we all work for the same goal, then everyone can basically do that. And if you feel like you want to have more ownership, then I would say it's more a technical thing to be so if if there needs to be a line then i would say more technical lead senior developer engineering manager whatever setup you have rather than a product manager because those things even though they affect products they are not delivering products like again with the merman solution it's not the man it's the fish be below right it's the right. fish beneath the, the water so I agree, but not entirely. <laughs> Again, um, no, but I I agree with the line of thought. And obviously, when there's trust and you work as one team and one unit, sure. Um, however, again, uh, this is something. So I agree that there should be a technical debt backlog, and it should be definitely managed and owned and prioritized by the technical team and whoever is uh, the head of that team, uh, definitely. 
However, in terms of I, I mean, I don't would. As a product manager, I would not want a surprise tech debt ticket that just creeped in or something, and I have to be able to manage the team's time in order to meet expectations. And if technical debt affect is affecting the expectations or what can be met within a time frame, then it's definitely my concern, and definitely uh, for a product manager then to either draw the line in the sand or move that line or have that line be you know determined by another person and give that responsibility away that's fine when you have trust and you work together then i can say you know if you meet the deadline and you know how to manage your team and we don't have any problem with that with delivery for example then i don't mind uh but if we do then i would definitely get more specific and and maybe you know talk about and negotiate what percentage of of time we should work on technical debt and whatever you want to do at that time is fine by me yeah as far as so the question is about decisions around technical debt and i think as far as decisions around technical debt, it's a team decision and then when i say team i mean a product manager is part of the team so it's never creeping in never yeah. in that regards um so i think yes prioritizing the backlog all those things is a technical mm-hmm. thing but part of what we do as a team as and as for me a team includes all the basic ingredients needed to actually c- deliver something to production, and I think, of course, include the product manager, is there is discussion about those type of things. And I think we mentioned that you might have a technical debt payment that is 80% of the payment. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And that's why we need to discuss that with the product manager as far as the repercussions of that and the decisions. And, and it might be that you come up with a 100% solution that will take three years, but your product manager will say, well, is there a good enough solution? Right, but so, it's a, the, so the question was, who should uh, own or manage uh, decisions around technical debt? So I guess owning the backlog is something that the technical team, even without the product owner, yeah. should definitely own completely, know what's in there, prioritize it, break it down to pieces, know why you want to work about uh, on something. Yeah. And in terms of how much time should be dedicated or what is the best timing to work on those things, this is something that... Sometimes the case is that the product manager should have a say in this and say, this is not the time or uh, a discussion of the entire team. So the technical team along with the product manager to determine a method of whether it's a tech debt lane, whether it's coupling tasks together, like a user story and a technical debt, whether it's investing time in technical debt as a project. Um, yeah, decisions should be made together. But yeah. I guess, yeah, it is like you said, depending on the situation, I just try to break down what type of situation you can have. All right. Yeah, Hopefully that one. answers the question. All right. Yeah. So last question. Do you have percentage of each sprint or some time box dedicated for tech debt? So I guess we did answer that. You could. You don't necessarily have to. It's one of the uh, frameworks or like methods that you can use. And you do. Uh, specifically now? Yeah. N- no. You don't. No, not a percentage. I mean, in the yearly planning, yes. Mm-hmm. In the sprint planning, not something that is uh, permanent, no. Mm. I thought then you said you had them. Yeah, in okay. another team a few years ago, we, we had like a, a specific uh, dedicated time that was fixed. Yeah, for us, we don't as well. We, we have uh, dedicated for the year. Like we basically took, uh, we added to the ro- product roadmap, yeah. basically technical debt, but we don't have anything but we do have like a sort of a rotating maintenance team mm. which is not technical debt payment per se but it's more maintaining mm-hmm. the 
maintaining the, the debt that we've actually accumulated. So Maybe, yeah, the difference between maintenance and technical debt is also something... Well, maintenance is basically when you don't pay the technical debt, but you actually fix the fires that technical debt are creating for you, I guess. Which I guess is sort of technical debt that you have to take care of. Yeah, but you're not paying the debt. You're just basically... You're just paying the interest in that regards. Right. This is the interest payment is maintenance, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. But as as we said, like we do it in different ways, at least in my current company and your current company, like you do yeah. it more project based, we do it more like as a overarching uh percentage that we just know not to uh, you know, make features in that hour in those hours, I guess, that we dedicate a long time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but there are different approaches to this. As long as you take it into consideration and you, uh, you know, try to balance. Whatever works, honestly. Like you, like who, the person who asked it, you're part of a team. Whatever works for you as human beings, that's yeah. what you should do. Maybe you can take some of uh, the examples that we brought here, and you can just try them. <laughs> yeah, or find your own in in those in between the ideas. Yeah, for us, for example, um, I think we tried it um, at one one place in time i'm not sure maybe it wasn't even where twiki doesn't matter uh, i do remember that we had a point where we dedicated 15 percent or 20 percent for um technical mm -hmm. debt and we had some sprints that we didn't have technical debt to pay and then we had sprints that we had more mm -hmm. so uh, it always felt just like rigid and silly and and just when we ended up inventing technical debt that like we up the priority of right. one <laughs> So, I don't know. It, it depends on, on what works for you. For me, it didn't work. Um, and uh, I actually prefer to have more of a method where there is more clear communication about the risks and the problems. Mm -hmm. um, but it works well for me so because I'm... So, you treat I'm, it as a project. Yeah. And, but then it works well for me because I, I tend to communicate those things rather well. And I think for teams that they don't, then maybe having that line in the sand to actually just define something is a good idea. This was, I guess, uh, again, jumping to the core of our work together. Yeah. Um, I think since we both have seen, you know, various examples in, in companies, we both kind of con converged into an agreement. Uh, but yeah, along the years from from junior to senior or looking at different examples, it's always something that you wonder about what technical debt is, how can I address it, who should care, why should they care, how do we talk about it, what happened in your company, you know, which examples do you have about, you know, treating it and what worked and what didn't. And hopefully we got to give you a little bit of a sneak peek to what we know. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you can take some of it with you. And uh, yeah, let us know if you have more questions. Yeah, we would love to actually answer. Um, just hit us up on techpoint underscore C on Twitter or uh, techpointchari, the group on Facebook. Uh, I don't know. We're on LinkedIn. No one is there. It's just easy us. to find us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess we will see you next time. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.